0: Welcome to Tower Talks with Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast. And now for your weekly recap, a timely review of this week's top headlines and takeaways. Here's your host.
1: Welcome to Inside Towers Week in Review. I'm Leslie Stimson, Inside Towers Washington Bureau Chief. With me are John Salentano, our business editor, Sharp Smith, our technology editor, and Jim Fryer, our managing editor. This episode is sponsored by Inside Towers Intelligence, a quarterly market report that dives deep into the wireless infrastructure ecosystem. It looks at market trends, capital expenditures, relevant M&A transactions, and more. The 2022 volume four issue will be available soon. Intelligence is designed for managers, marketers, and investors. An annual subscription also includes an exclusive briefing and online support. For more information or to subscribe, visit insidetowers.com intelligence. Okay, John, you're first up. You're going to talk about Africa Towers, right?
0: Africa Towers. Um, uh, thanks, Leslie. We, you know, we we get so focused on what goes on in in the in the domestic market or in North America that sometimes uh, we're not fully aware of some of the g- good developments that are going on in, in other parts of the world. And Africa is uh, is one that's come to our attention. Um, a couple of the companies that tower companies that uh, are predominantly um, operating in Africa, uh, IHS Towers and Helios Towers, along with American Towers, have shown some pretty good growth, and um, so it it gave us an opportunity to focus a little bit on that market and uh, delve into some details. You know, Africa is a very attractive market for independent um, tower operators. Uh, First of all, it's a big market, you know, uh, Sub-Saharan Africa is like 1.2 billion people, and and growing uh, uh, at, a, at a couple percent a year, and yet wireless penetration is only about 25 uh, percent compared to you know 90 plus percent in in this country. Um, secondly, the the pandemic really brought to the bear uh, the importance of mobile connectivity, as it did here, but. Um, Uh, especially in in Africa, where you have um, uh, a very dispersed population and concentrations in big cities, but a lot of rural areas as well. Um, In Africa, you know, financial transactions using mobile phones is really a big deal. Uh, Companies like Vodacom and Pesa and Airtel Mobile Money really drive a lot of transactions uh, with people using their phones to either uh, take out microloans or or, or, um, uh, make money transfers. So, you know, there's a lot of a lot of appeal uh, uh, for the carriers to drive new services, and finally, they you know the carriers themselves are looking at offloading uh, their passive infrastructure to to uh, generate some funds to be able to expand and upgrade their networks to 4G and 5G uh, just to meet the um, the um, traffic uh, demand. So, you know, as a consequence, the independent tower business in Africa has grown dramatically in the last five years. We estimate that. There's about 80,000 active towers in the hands of the independent operators. Um, and then the majority of the other towers, which is about double that number, uh, is in the hands of, uh, of the mobile operators themselves. But we, we see that changing dramatically over the next few years. Uh, the lead company in, in Africa is IHS Towers. They're based in London, but they, uh, they uh, have about 31,000 towers in six countries. Uh, American Tower um, uh, has got a sizable stake in the country, in the continent as well, um, with with over uh, 23,000 towers in seven countries, the largest being Nigeria and Ghana. And Helios Towers, also based in London, is the third largest uh, tower company on the continent. And it has operations in eight countries, uh, mainly in Tanzania and the uh, uh, DRC. Uh, all of the all of these companies showed growth in their third quarter earnings calls uh, on a year-over-year basis. Uh, American Towers, they've got a pretty active build-a-suit program. They, in, in the past year, they built nearly 2,000 towers in Africa and uh, and continue to expand. So um, there's a handful of smaller players as well. Uh, Gyro Group is actually a, a division of um, uh, South African Telecom, uh, um, uh, the carrier uh, Telkom. Uh, And and SBA Communications as well owns uh, and operates about 2,400 towers between South Africa and Tanzania in the deal that we announced or at least covered last year. Uh, And there's a handful of smaller ones like uh, Africa Mobile Networks or Pan-African Towers and uh, Tower Cove Madagascar. So, you know, there's a fair amount of upside to um, the African Tower business. And uh, we're, we're watching that carefully. Like I mentioned earlier, the... The M&O's uh, in Africa own a, a large portion of the tower still, um, but um, uh, that uh, there's a lot of consideration being given to uh, selling those off to other tower companies and, and then lease back the capacity on those towers. One, one interesting play that the, um, the tower companies in Africa have that's not quite as prevalent in, in other parts, in, at least in North America, is they're offering what they call power as a service. And a lot of uh, sites uh, in Africa uh, are connected to a grid that tends to be unreliable or are rural areas where the grid, the power grid, is non existent. So the tower companies are taking it upon themselves to um, deploy renewable energy sources like uh, solar and uh, reducing their dependency on diesel generators. And of course, uh, what they do then is they pass through those costs to the um, to their, their tenants. So it's a, it's a revenue generator for them. And um, uh, so some interesting aspects of uh, uh, the uh, Af- the tower market in Africa, by the way, I'll make a plug here. In the next issue of intelligence, we're looking at the international tower business at large, uh, looking at uh, various regions uh, around the world and, uh, and the structure and the composition of those markets and, and the tower companies that are playing there. So stay tuned for that.
1: All right, John, thank you for that comprehensive report. Sharp, you're up next with a story about federated wireless.
2: Yes, thanks. Um, actually, uh, <clears throat> I have a follow on from, uh, from what, what John was just talking about. We, we covered uh, the, the fact that uh, South Africa uh, just now has uh, three 5G uh, carriers uh so the uh the emergence of uh, of 5g in in that country which is uh includes a company called telcom uh vodacom and mtm uh are all deploying 5g so uh so that uh that will be uh further driving the uh the tower mm-hmm. the tower industry in that market um what I want to talk about is uh, um, Federated Wireless' uh, uh, agreement with Amazon Wireless Services uh, in uh, uh, at the uh, California Polytechnic State University. And uh, they're deploying a, a private 5G uh, uh, network using CBRS Spectrum. And uh, this is significant uh, uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, a lot of the uh, uh, networks that are referred to as uh, private 5G uh, networks are uh, really uh, LTE networks with, uh, with the ability to, uh, to upgrade to, to 5G. And uh, uh, this, this uh, network here is one of the first um, true private 5G networks that uh federated wirelesses has has uh designed and uh as such it uh it gives them uh, uh, a lot more a lot more ability to uh to provide different services for uh for the university and uh, uh one of the one of the other uh things that makes this private 5g network uh uh, stand out is that, uh, the Cal Poly, uh, system is the first indoor, outdoor private 5g network to third wireless has as deployed. And, uh, that really expands the use cases, uh, for the university. And, uh, if you don't know a lot about Cal Poly, which I didn't, uh, it's, um, it's a heavy agricultural, uh, university. So, uh, having it, having the outdoor component is uh, really important for, uh, working on use cases in uh, autonomous tractors, precision agriculture and, uh, and things like that. So you have to, you have to be able to go indoors and outdoors, but, uh, um, it'll be a turnkey private wireless solution and it's sold with, uh, has a managed service. In the AWS uh, marketplace, and uh, I think the other thing that, um, uh, since we're really kind of early on in the uh, in the private five G network uh, uh, curve, uh, these types of deployments are uh, are basically uh, uh, going to be creating. Uh, a lot of uh, use cases and and uh, which in turn will uh, will will provide uh, the uh, the rest of the industry uh, a lot of technology that they can use out in the uh, out in the field uh, for uh, for things like uh, for for other farming operations so uh it's very possible that uh Federated wireless will uh, uh uh pick up on a, a certain case study that um uh, case used at Cal Poly and then be able to uh uh to use it for uh John Deere or someone like that so uh so i think these types of deployments are really crucial as as being living labs that will provide us with uh, with the future uses of uh, of technology. So uh, keep your keep your eye on this space. It's uh, uh, there's there's going to be uh, there's going to be a lot of universities deploying private five G, and the uh, and the uh, technology that they perfect will then be uh, 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 sold and integrated by the uh, the wireless industry.
1: Thank you. Sharp,
0: Sharp. Do we know, um, excuse me, Leslie, uh, <laughs> Sharp. do we know what frequencies they're using? Are they, is it like CBRS, uh, either yeah. PAL or GAA?
2: CBRS is the, is really going to be the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> uh, and, uh, uh, as much as the, uh, <clears throat> but perhaps the cellular carriers don't like it. It's, uh, it's really going to be, uh, It it has already revolutionized the ability to deploy a uh, a wireless network, you know, fast, efficient, and uh, uh, it's it's uh, all these all these systems will be will be using CBRS, I believe. Okay,
1: Jim, you had a dramatic story this week.
3: Yes, and this was a. uh, Story in Utah. Apparently, a a pilot of a small private plane uh, crashed out there in the mountains in in Morgan County, Utah. And uh, this pilot was 80 years old, apparently, a tough old bird uh, because uh, not only did he successfully crash land this plane and walked away from it, uh, he then walked another six miles. and again, he was out in the middle of nowhere. But he did find a cell tower, and uh, once he got to the cell tower, he knew he was probably safe. He, so, from there, uh, he was able to make a call to the local authorities and um, get uh, get rescued. So, uh, kudos to the 80 year old pilot who uh, walked six miles to a cell tower and and uh, saved himself. Uh, the Morgan County Sheriff. Said, um, you know, he did not look like a crash victim at all. He walked fine. Maybe some cuts on his hand, but hiked for two hours. So um, there you go. There's there's cell towers at work uh, as uh, beacons of safety to those who are stranded out there in the wilderness.
2: But ser- seriously, though, Jim, should you really have to hike two hours to take a, make a cell phone call? No. They have cheap coverage. He should have been able to to, uh, to do it from the crash site.
3: Uh, well, uh, that's I, I don't know. Uh, maybe the terrain was such that he wasn't able to get a signal. But I think once he saw the tower, it not only gave him a place he knew he could make a, a call, but also um, a place to say, "Here's where I'm at." You know, here's where I can be located. So, I uh, maybe it served a second purpose as a uh, as a location site, but um, anyway, kudos to that. Kudos to the eighty-year-old pilot, uh, and uh, we wish him further, further safe travels.
1: Wow, <laughs> thank you, Jim. So, uh, groups are popping up to urge the FCC to reject the FAA's recent call. To make uh, to modify its C-band rules near air uh, pertaining to 5G, near airports. Uh, we wrote about um, acting FAA administrator Billy Nolan, uh, asking, asking the White House under, to intervene actually to they want to make the rule the, uh, modifications that AT&T and Verizon agreed to, they wanna make those permanent. Right now, those would expire in July, 2023. And they also, the aviation community also wants those rules to apply to all telecoms, not just AT&T and Verizon. So different um, industry groups are popping up and saying, no, they're urging the FCC to reject this. Um, US Cellular was one that I wrote about recently. Um, They were meeting with the FCC's Office of Engineering and Technology and the Wireless Telecommunications Bureau. In a description of the meeting, they said they emphasized the importance of being able to deploy the spectrum in a timely manner. Um, uh, the, The U.S. Cellular also has an application for an STA into the agency to test and deploy its C-band spectrum. And it would like to you know, get going on that. So the airline industry says it's retrofitting planes that fly into the U.S. with RF filters on the radio altimeters. Those are the devices that tell the plane how low it is to the ground. And they say they can be interfered with, with 5G operations. Um, but they're not doing, you know, they're not going to, apparently they're not going to do it in time. So they want more time. And Billy Nolan told the administration that data indicates that even a retrofitted aircraft would be susceptible to interference. Um, if the FCC report and order is not modified. So, you know, this mess is still going on and we'll continue to monitor it. So that's, Thank you for listening. That's a wrap. We'll see you in a week. And if you want a complete rundown of the week's news, check out our Saturday edition. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to Tower Talks. To subscribe to our podcast, our daily newsletter, or use our other industry resources, please visit InsideTowers.com. Until next time, you've been listening to Tower Talks from Inside Towers, the Wireless Infrastructure Industries Podcast.